Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. You know, we're living in some pretty tough times these days, as I said before, and that particularly applies to the economy, I know. It seems that, well, just about everyone is saying, well, you know, things are probably going to get worse before they get better. Well, a lot of us, as I look around this congregation, a lot of us have been impacted by this recession we're in. Lost jobs, uh, financial difficulties, trying to get by on a fixed income, well, maybe even trying to find work at all. Times like these can really test our faith in God's goodness. Or they can cause us to realize that our only real hope is in Him. The fourth psalm is a a good psalm for troubled times like these. I'm going to share that with you this morning. The fourth psalm is an eight-verse psalm, and it reads like this. Answer me when I call you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? 
How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when the grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And just before the singing company comes, we'll lift our hearts in prayer this morning. Won't you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity that you give to us to experience difficult times. It's through these difficult times, Lord, that we can lay our trust in you. And when you give us these challenges, we know full well that you'll never challenge us beyond our ability to handle it. Now, Father, as we face uh, all the things that are in front of us today, help us to know that we can look to you and that you will surpass all challenges, that we can lean on you for that, Lord. And as we worship together this morning, Lord, we thank you for your very presence here with us. Be with us now as we worship together in your name. Amen. Not bad. Not bad. This is the day that the Lord has made. And see, these kids are really fired up to rejoice in that. Well, this morning, now it's going to be our turn to sing. Because sometimes we can be a little surprised. 
Can it really be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? How can that be? Well, we can sing those words this morning, and the band's going to play along uh, on accompaniment. We're going to sing right on through four straight verses. But think about these words as they come on by, friends. How can that be that he died for me? He sought me out and died for me. As the band plays, we're going to stand and sing together.
said. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together. Good morning. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. Long to this world. Don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. And all who have this either eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us.
present a piece entitled Mid All the Traffic. I would encourage you to turn in your red songbook to number 615 that shares these words with you and is set to just a lovely folk tune known as Shenandoah. Uh, we are racing around. We have things <clears throat> cluttering our lives continually. People are twittering. They're emailing one another and we have a constant pace of what we are. And I hope that you have a silent place, a place where you can go to to meet with your Lord on a daily place.
to um, be singing a beautiful chorus of a song, Jesus, Thou Art Everything to Me. And um, we'll sing that through once, and then I invite the prayer partners to come forward and pray. But this isn't simply limited to only prayer partners. If, um, if you just want to come and pray, you want to grab a friend and spend time in prayer at the, at the penitent form here, at the holiness table, anywhere up front in your pew. It's just a time for you to pray. But let's sing first one time through, then everyone come. Jesus, thou art everything to me. Mark Schulteis, keep him in prayer as he's um, over in Germany. Many others in the Corps who are sick and ill. We heard of Tammy Gardner's relatives, Lucille Smith, who's just come home this week from the hospital. Many others who would like to come home but 
having to stay in care facilities. Many people listed on our prayer list. Keep them all in prayer. morning we acknowledge you as the one who both hears and answers our prayers. God, we know how desperately needy we are because left to ourselves, we we tend to bring chaos into our lives. But when we trust in you, Lord, you bring forgiveness and refreshing and peace. And God, I pray this morning that as we have gathered here to lift your name on high, that you would bless us. Lord, that you would meet the needs of those who are upon our hearts and minds, especially, Lord, those who don't know you, who who need to come to a saving knowledge of you. God, you have become everything to us. We pray that you might become everything to every person because you died for each one of us, for the whole world. So God, bless us. Use us, and God, speak to our hearts this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing that chorus again. that indeed Jesus is everything to you, that if you were to lose all of your investments, your job, your health, that um, Jesus would still be everything to you, and that with Jesus, really, you have everything you truly need. Well, you've probably seen the posters in Western movies, Wanted, Dead or Alive. The idea behind these posters is that a person who's being sought has done something so grievous that um, it doesn't really matter if they are caught and killed or brought in alive. They just need to be found, they need to be stopped, and they need to be brought to some kind of justice. We had a, a taste of this during the War on Terror. Immediately following the attacks on 9-11, there was a call for bin Laden to be, to be brought in, dead or alive. Then later, in Iraq, the military developed this deck of 52 cards for the most wanted Iraqi officials, dead or alive. But at other times, we seem to go to extraordinary lengths to find a person who might still be alive. When millionaire adventurer Steve Fawcett disappeared in 2007, Authorities searched for him for over a year and expended well over um, millions of dollars in the effort. People wanted to know if he was dead or alive. 
Well, it would seem that Jesus wanted to settle that question as well, whether he was dead or alive. Please open your Bible to Luke chapter 24. Now, the disciples, they didn't need to be convinced that Jesus had died. I mean, some of them were actual eyewitnesses to the crucifixion and and to his death. But the claim that he was really alive and that uh, people weren't just seeing a ghost, that that was a much harder sell. And to convince them that he was really and truly alive, Jesus appeared to these disciples over a period of 40 days following his resurrection. He wanted them to be absolutely convinced that he was alive, that he was flesh and blood and not a disembodied spirit. That was important for them to understand, but I wonder, is it really important for us today? Should it really matter 2,000 years later whether he was physically alive or just a uh, spiritual manifestation I mean, it might be interesting, right? But um, does it really matter for our day-to-day faith? Well, let's read Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 43. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. While they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Now, the events recorded here actually happen on that first Easter Sunday. Two followers of Christ had been on a journey to Emmaus, and the risen Christ had accompanied them and uh, revealed himself to them, and, and they returned to Jerusalem to share this experience with the disciples. And as they shared their story, Jesus appeared in the room. Now, uh, their first assumption was that Jesus must be a spirit. And they reacted with fear and with doubt. But Jesus goes to great pains to show them that he was really there in flesh and blood, that it was really him. It makes you wonder why it was so critical that the disciples understood the nature of the resurrection and the reality of the ongoing life of Christ. Here's what the Apostle Paul had to say in 1 Corinthians 15, 13-17 about the importance. But if there is no resurrection of the dead... Not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if, in fact, the dead are not raised. 
For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Now those are some powerful words. It seems that the credibility of Christianity rests on the bodily resurrection of Christ. Without the resurrection, we are wasting our time because we have no hope and we might as well go home and do something useful with our time. Jesus wasn't satisfied that people might be impressed with his life and his teachings. And, and you know, it is true. Most people have a favorable opinion of Jesus. They greatly respect him. Most religions acknowledge Jesus as a great man and a, and a great prophet. But they simply regard Jesus as a man whose life must be studied, whose words must be examined, and whose teaching must be analyzed. But that wasn't Jesus' ministry. That wasn't his intention. Yet, amazingly, this same tendency has crept into Christianity. There is a tendency today to think of Christianity and of Christ merely in terms of something to be studied. Now, if Jesus is just a dead prophet, then that would be an appropriate response, wouldn't it? We'll study the works of this great dead prophet, this great philosopher. Jesus' life would be worthy of that study, but not worthy of our worship. There's a big difference, isn't there? But Jesus didn't leave his disciples wondering, and he doesn't leave us wondering either, does he? He wants this matter to be resolved once and for all. So let's continue our reading of the passage in Luke chapter 24 with verses 44 through 48. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. After establishing that he was indeed alive, Jesus gave them a Bible study of sorts, a survey of the scriptures concerning himself. Even his resurrection, he said, was prophesied. Then he reiterates this message of repentance and forgiveness that I I spoke about last week. This was important for the disciples because serving a living Savior is quite different from memorializing a dead prophet. And yet, I have to tell you, many believers today do just that. They focus on Jesus' teachings and they ignore his living presence. Now, no one who does this would most likely ever say that that's what they're doing because it's done almost unconsciously. 
that we slip into that form of considering Jesus and worshiping him. This has uh, even become the case in many modern-day churches. I think one way that we can kind of look for this tendency is to look at a um, church's schedule of events. Look at ours, for instance. We have a we have a program, and on the back side we have our schedule of events, the things that um, that we do. We have multiple opportunities in here for Bible study, don't we? There's Sunday morning Bible study for adults and kids all ages. We have a Monday night Bible study that is available. We have a midweek Bible study that um, everyone's welcome to come to. And some of you folks here even attend outside Bible studies. In the uh, middle of our bulletin, we have devotions that are here to help get you in the Word. They have different scripture passages you can read, questions you can reflect upon. So please don't get me wrong. Bible study is very, very important. It is critical. As I said, Jesus led his disciples in a Bible study of sorts, and he opened their minds to understand the scriptures because it was critical. But there is a risk of a faith dominated by Bible study. And it goes to the heart of the question, dead or alive? You see, it's possible to approach Bible study as simply a study in history or theology or prophecy or poetry or literature. Bible study doesn't require a living Christ. You can effectively study the Bible without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Here, perhaps, is the greatest evidence of our shift away from a living Savior to a dead prophet, at least in much of our corporate worship. It's found in the death of the prayer meeting. Do you remember those prayer meetings of old? Some of you been to churches or you've been here and you've been at those prayer meetings where people spoke um, to God directly as if they were speaking to a friend. Um, You've experienced those, I'm sure. But, you know, some of our young people haven't. They wouldn't have a clue what we're talking about. You see, Jesus is not only someone to be studied. He is someone to be met and lived with every day. We can do this in part through Bible study, yes. But perhaps the best way we do this is in prayer. Prayer is active communication with a living being. And the death of the prayer meeting betrays a shift in our way of viewing faith, in a way of how we, as at least as a corporate body, relate to Christ. Now, you may agree or you may disagree with me on this assessment, but may we never forget that Jesus is not only a figure in a book, Even if that book is the greatest in the world, the Holy Bible, he is a living presence. And he desires us to have an intimate fellowship with him. He doesn't walk the earth in bodily form anymore. We can't experience what the disciples experience of touching him 
in flesh and blood. So we have to meet him in prayer. Jesus frightened his disciples when he appeared among them that first Easter evening. He first convinced them that he was real and that what was happening was a fulfillment of the scriptures. And then he told them that they were now to proclaim this message of repentance and forgiveness and salvation to to everyone they meet. And I want each of you to know this morning that Jesus is alive and that he wants us to relate to him as one who is alive. He intends for us to have a vibrant personal relationship with him, not just a historic head knowledge, not just following religious traditions or observing prescribed rituals. You see, you can't have a relationship with a dead person. No no matter how much history you know, no matter if you have their biography memorized, you can study them, but you can't have a relationship with someone who's dead. And we are called to a vibrant relationship with Christ. If we see him only as a long-dead historical figure, then we reduce our faith to a matter of doctrines, creeds, and a lifeless religion. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 invites us to a living faith in a living God when he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I wonder this morning, do you know this living hope? Do you have a living hope? It isn't a truth. It's a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. So I wonder, are you worshiping a Jesus who is dead? Or are you worshiping a Jesus who is alive and engaged and involved in your life? This morning, I invite you to rediscover the living Christ. I invite you to develop a personal, growing relationship with a God who is alive and who takes an active interest in every aspect of your life. So dead or alive, which is it? A faith built on studying the historical Jesus and neglecting the living Christ or a life of communion with him as a living person, with him breathing uh, strength and power and understanding into you as you do study his word. I can't tell you how you should respond to this morning's message. That is a question you have to answer for yourself between you and God. Certainly, there needs to be a rekindling of the prayer meeting, a time of intimate conversation with Jesus, not formal congregational prayers, not even just our private um, prayer partner time, but a time 
to see the Lord's face with other believers, to hear other people speak to God as, as a person would speak to another person. And here's what I offer. At 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, I'm going to be here in the sanctuary. I started out when I first came here doing this. Uh, I'm here anyway. Most of you aren't. But um, I invite you to be here if you would like to spend some time in prayer. If you have a heart to pray, it would mean sacrificing time to be here even earlier on a Sunday morning. And I know for some folks, that is a huge sacrifice. It is hard to get here in time for the regular service. But I believe it's a sacrifice well worth the effort. And there may be many other opportunities we have to to rekindle um, the prayer meeting. Spending time beseeching God and seeking His face. And if God lays something on your heart, please let me know. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you this morning that you are alive. I thank you that your son, Jesus, yes, he died for our sins, but Lord, he rose again. He rose not as some uh, spirit or uh, energy force, Lord. He arose in bodily form. And God, he is the first fruit of our own resurrection, of the promise you have made that we too shall rise from the dead, that we too shall be like you are. God, I pray this morning that you would speak to our own hearts about the place that prayer plays in our own relationship with you. God, that we might not um, relegate our relationship to something to be studied, but an experience to be lived. And God, I pray that you would also open our eyes and ears and hearts to what we can do as a congregation to make prayer a a vital center to our um, time together. God, you are good. And we praise you and we ask God that you bless us and that you speak to our hearts this morning. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Bursley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.